Hello and welcome to the Power Couple Podcast where we get to listen to love stories and learn about relationships. Today, our guests are Wabanaquet and Lisa Monkman Canoe. Thank you both for being here with us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, our pleasure. I'd first like to, you know, pay homage to the territory that I'm residing on. I'm here on the Algonquin territory. So shout out to our Algonquin relatives here in the Ottawa region. I'd also like to thank the creator for all things to align for us to be here today. Everything worked out. So I definitely want to pay homage where homage is due. If I may, a few accolades here. Lisa Monkman Canoe is a mother, a doctor, and believes that healthcare is an act of love. She is a founding board member of the Indigenous Physicians Association of Canada. Fun fact, certified yoga instructor. Thought that was cool finding that little bit of a detail. (laughs) And I would say the way that she describes her upbringing is colorful. So thank you, Lisa, for being here. Wabanaquet Canoe, also known as Wab, father, hip hop artist, and has received the Indigenous Music Award for Best Rap Hip Hop Album for his album, Live By The Drum, back 2009, became the first director of Indigenous Inclusion at the University of Winnipeg. Later, he became the university's associate vice president for Indigenous relations. Former journalist for CBC, of which the national documentary series Eight Fire was born. From there, honorary doctorate degree from Cape Breton University. He is the author of the national bestseller, The Reason You Walk, also author of Go Show the World. He is the elected leader of Manitoba NDP, MLA for Fort Rouge, and potentially you could be listening to the next premiere of Manitoba. So thank you both for being here again. I just wanted to uh, definitely pay homage to the both of you for being here. That was quite the introduction. I know. I'm like, whoa, you are so impressive. (laughs) So I'd also like to, you know, make sure that you have the chance to introduce yourselves in the way, um, on your, in your own way. So the mic is yours, um, by all means. Bonjour, everyone. Uh, My name is Lisa Monkman Kinu. I am a um, member of Lake Manitoba First Nation. Asinikwe is my Anishinaabe name. Uh, Makwa is my clan, the bear. And um, I, um, yeah, I've been born and raised in, in Manitoba. So I feel very strongly connected to my Anishinaabe identity and my community. And Buju, Wabanaquit Nigo, Buju and Dotem. Kakagi Watasuniga Mingi Donje, Nichi by Mateo, Nishkeo and the Wiu, Mishudashmina and Dayawag. Niswe, Gozak, Bejigis in a Kazo, Bejigo Migonchigo Dashmina to Sana Kutonske, Dashmina, Shki, Oshkianan. So, hello, everybody. I think you uh, you did a heck of a job introducing us, so <laughs> yeah. I, I don't need to do, I don't need to drag it out. Just want to speak a bit of a jib way, yeah. as we're always taught to do. But uh, thank you so much for having us and being such a gracious host. Appreciate it. So for fun, I'm curious, uh, what is some of your current favorite songs or artists that you're listening to lately? I'm just curious to know what kind of vibes you're on. Ooh, favorite songs. Mm. Mm. I love Lizzo. <laughs> <laughs> She's and Beyonce, but I mean, who doesn't? You know what I mean? Awesome. 
Yeah, we also spend a lot of time listening to um, best of holiday music yeah, right a now. Lot of holiday music yeah, right <laughs> it's one of our favorite seasons, and um, a lot of powwow uh, YouTube videos. So that's basically our our musical repertoire at the moment. Cool. Yeah, we listen to a lot of powwow music. Midnight Express is probably my favorite drum group, but uh, we listen to a lot of the. Um, I guess like acapella harmony music that uh, people make for powwow nowadays, like Devin Whirlwind Soldier and uh, Natanis Landry and um, Alex Smith and Cheevers Tapa and all those people like that. So we listen to a lot of indigenous music, but then um, I guess we listen to a lot of country and yeah, a lot do. of hip hop yeah, also. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty wide range. Yeah. So at, before we dive too deep into some of these questions, I wanted to take a second and just check in. How are you both doing through these COVID times? Um, well, I mean, it's certainly a challenging time for everybody. And I think that like all, most people out there, many families, we have our ups and downs. Um, being in social isolation is not a natural way to exist. And thankfully we've got uh, a really loving home and like a full household, you know, uh, kids always keep us extremely, extremely busy. And, um, you know, Wob, uh, for those of you who don't know him, he, um, he's a total family man. <laughs> so he throws a lot of passion into everything we do. And uh, cooking meals is one of them. Um, setting up the ice rink in the backyard is another one. The Christmas lights and... Uh, are, are, are just a few of the projects we've got on the go. <laughs> yeah, so we've been keeping busy, um, feeling grateful uh, many days, and then other times really struggling with uh, not being able to see some of our loved ones. So um, yeah, I hope that sums it up. Okay, what do you think? Well, while we're recording this, um, where we live, Manitoba, we're on the second lockdown right now. Mm -hmm. So um, we are pretty much in that, uh, we only keep to ourselves right now sort of situation. Mm -hmm. Um, because as we speak, the, the, the city we live in, the province we live, Winnipeg, Manitoba, is the COVID hotspot in Canada right now. So we're definitely doing what we can to stay safe. And Lisa definitely has to because she's, she's on the front lines of healthcare as a doctor, right? So we can't afford to have her get sick because that would impact all her patients. Um, but the other thing I would just add to what Lisa said is that we also have a multi-generational household. So my mom moved in with us during the first lockdown, like way at the start of the pandemic. Well, when the pandemic first arrived here in March. So, you know, for the past eight, nine months at, at the time of this recording, um, we've been living with three generations in one household. So that that helps because our household bubble, you know, is a bit bigger maybe than uh, might otherwise have been the case. So but it also means that the house is really busy and there's always stuff going on. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's got schoolwork and work work and, you know, trying to watch a football game at the same time. So it's uh, it's good times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. I love to actually just elaborate a little bit on the multi-generational household. I honestly feel that that's not as common as you may see on just on the on the front of your mind or when you're navigating society. So was that an intentional thing? Is that something that you were just born and part of your upbringing that, you know, is part of your lives today? Like why was a multi generational home uh, important for you both? Well, I think growing up, we we both grew up in multi generational uh, homes with lots of extended family. 
um, really close by. And um, for us, like I, my mother-in-law is the best. <laughs> like <laughs> before the lockdown, I've been trying to convince her to, <laughs> to live here full time. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I think it's, uh, it's just a natural fit. You know, we talk about it often too. Um, and, you know, my mom raised us with the teaching that our children keep us connected to creator. And, and Bob's mom, my mother-in-law, often says, you know, uh, grandparents and grandchildren belong together, you know. So it feels very much like a, um, a meaningful and natural fit, I think. Um, yeah, I'm just so grateful for her. And it, it's um, a lot easier to manage a childcare situation, not just with grandma, but also with the older sons. Like, uh, we also have a couple teenagers here, too. And with a, a young babies, two, two and a half years old now, um, just if Lisa or myself can't watch and then my mom is around to help pick up the slack and then even if she's not able to do something, then, you know, one of the other boys can step up and do it. So it's really kind of a team approach, which is cool when you think back to like the traditional family or community life, it was more like that. Like in Ojibwe, we say ingotote for the family. And then our Dakota relatives say tioshpaye, tioshpaye for the, like the, uh, the family, but not like the immediate family, like the extended family of aunts and uncles and grandparents and cousins and that. So we're pretty lucky that, you know, every year we typically go to a Sundance and live as a tioshpaye. We live as a, as a family together around a fire and around a teepee. And um, I guess we just try and carry that through the rest of the year also you know, in living um, with a broader uh, definition of family. But I think Lisa's right that it just kind of, that is how we do it. And uh, it just happened organically. I was at my middle son's birthday um, two Septembers ago. And um, one of the other parents there said like, uh, hey, I know that you're really close to your mom. And I never thought like, oh yeah, I'm really close to my mom. But then I thought about it, I was like, okay, yeah. From uh, compared to like a, a, a non-Indigenous family, you know, the way we are with uh, the amount of time we spend with the different generations. Yeah, maybe it does look uh, a little different from the norm, but I think it's, uh, it's the way it's supposed to be for us and it works out uh, pretty well. I appreciate that. I wanted to, you know, pr allow an opportunity to elaborate because I, I definitely think it's important to hear from leaders in the community such as yourselves talk about that. But for myself, like that's something that I actually hope for. You know, mm -hmm. I've I've grown up in a society where, you know, it's cool to live on your own and that's the way that it's got to be. But the more I dive into the culture, the more I dive into, you know, the significance of my family and that relationship, the more I'm open to that. And I, I, I wish my dad was around because my dad's cooking by far is the best <laughs> cooking I've ever had. So I just think that those elements, right, are really amazing to, to have around. And I think when you have young people, children in that family, to have that those close ties with the, with, you know, the different um, family members, I think is so important for their, their growth. Um, so I just wanted to take a moment to emphasize that. So I appreciate you sharing. Lisa, you are a doctor. And I think I could confidently say that you are living out your passion. Why did you choose the path to become a doctor or did a doctor choose you? 
Oh, uh, I, I definitely chose it. <laughs> it just didn't happen. <laughs> um, I fought for it. I committed to it. And I had a very like singular goal in mind from a really young age, actually, like since I was in, I don't know, elementary school, maybe. Um, I did consider other career options, but I felt like medicine was just the perfect union between health, wellness, helping people, science. Um, and it was also um, challenging enough that it, 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 um, it excited me because I wasn't certain that I could even, you know, achieve a career in medicine and do so in a successful and meaningful way. So, so it was a bit of a leap of faith. It's not something that you can um, get or do without, you know, fully committing. Um, you know, sometimes it felt like putting all my eggs in one basket. Um, but yeah, it was um, a 10 year journey once I was done um, high school, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really happy where I am right now. And I'm so, so fortunate and feel grateful to be able to do the type of work that I do. It was worth the 10 year journey. Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely. I think that's encouraging to, to share so that other young people you know, that 10 years may seem daunting at first, but I think the journey is also just as significant. And when you get to that other side, you get to live your passion. You get to live that dream that you really wanted to manifest. Right. And the learning never stops. So, you know, the 10 years is just basically going to give you a foundation or a launch mm. pad, you know, for then you can go out in the world and, and further focus your, your skills, your area of expertise, your interests, your passions. And so... I'm a family doctor, so I can I can do a whole bunch of different types of medicine without um, um, only focusing on one one area of, of um, interest. You know. Um, awesome. And Wab, in your early days, you started off as a rapper. You started off as an arter, artist. Later, you published the book. Um, so now you're fully immersed in politics. Like, why politics and why not art? I guess because I'm better at politics than I was. <laughs> well, stop. Next question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's 100% uh, why, but, you know, it's just a, a natural evolution, you know. I, I feel like, you know, what I did before with uh, music and journalism and writing prepared me for politics. Mm -hmm. It uh, exposed me to speaking in public and, you know, kind of collecting my thoughts before I do so and trying to think about the message that I want to put out there. And um, I've been lucky in my life to get lots of different opportunities. You know, I've had a chance to work in Canada, to work in the States. I've had a chance to work in a bunch of different careers, broadcasting, university, politics, etc. And so basically, I just try and ride the wave, you know, and as opportunities come up, I just try and make the most of those opportunities. And what happened with politics is I did have people asking me to get involved. And I'm always, I've always been the type of person to have an opinion about something and to voice that opinion. And so I figured I might as well put my money where my mouth is and actually try and make that change that I've been calling on other people to do. And uh, so I, I jumped in just a little over four years ago now, going on five years, I guess it'll be five years in, in January that I entered politics. Right. And it's been good. It's been uh, very, very hard very difficult, 
but it's also really awesome because we can see that like uh, some of the big changes we're trying to make are, they haven't happened yet, but they're, they're within grasp. Like I could see it happening, you know, whereas five, six years ago, I couldn't necessarily have seen it happening. Now I can see that, uh, you know, with a few more years of the right steps and putting the right pieces together and, you know, continuing to build a team and a movement that stands for something, then we could really do some really cool things. So it's been a remarkable journey. It's honestly amazing. I will say, Bob, like I was born and raised in Winnipeg too. So I've seen you in the community as an artist first. And so obviously I relate to that and I thought it's cool. But when I moved to Ottawa and I started, you know, I just pay attention to your journey. And when you started getting into politics, I honestly can say it was the first time that I've ever really had a, a, an in-depth kind of moment of clarity that, oh shit, somebody who looks like me or somebody who's indigenous is within the politics fear. And I feel maybe I can do that too. Like it literally was inspiring and inspiring also in combination that I was an artist too, right? So it's like, he's an artist, was an artist, whatever. I'm an artist. Maybe I can aspire to doing that as well. And so as of lately, you know, I've been open to conversations with different politicians, the, the ministries and different opportunities that present itself because I've witnessed your journey. It honestly get, gave me like a sense of, of pride to be able to be open to those relationships so that we can genuinely make impact and change from the inside. And so I think I just wanted to highlight, you know, that inspiration. I, I really look up to you as a role model. And uh, I just, uh, I'm really inspired by the work that you've done, especially coming from, you know, a past of being an artist, right? And I think, I hope that's a testament to the nation, to the world that, you know, don't judge somebody right off the top because you never know what they can accomplish long, long term, you know? So just wanted to kind of add that. Well, I appreciate that. You know, there's a saying in our culture, it said, uh, and uh, what it means is it says never laugh at a child mm. and it basically is what you just said you're never supposed to laugh at a child because you can't judge what the child is going to be when they reach their full potential right. they might look awkward or they might not have have it figured out when they're really young but they're still going to blossom into something amazing and um, powerful later on in life and so you know the idea that you just expressed i think is one that our ancestors have been talking about for a long time which is be patient be mindful and be open to somebody going through a, an evolution right whether it's the kid that you grew up next to or whether it's somebody that you're seeing uh, around the way and what have you so if i can help uh you know you along your way of uh doing your journey then that's a pretty awesome uh, compliment so i appreciate that it's amazing so the burning question obviously is like how did the two of you meet Right, like, and what do you remember the most of that moment when you first met? So we had some mutual friends and, you know, Winnipeg is a pretty small city. Uh, I thought you were gonna say res. <laughs> <laughs> Winnipeg's a pretty big res. <laughs> well, it is kind of, um, but uh, yeah, we had mutual friends and, um, I, I didn't really know a whole lot about Wob apart from what I heard on the radio. So I, I heard his voice first before I saw him in real life. And then um, she saw him and she was like, you don't look like how you sound. <laughs> I, did, I did think that. 
I know. I thought he would be older. <laughs> That's why I got out of music because I, I sounded old. I'm just well, okay. So to be fair, <laughs> you were on CBC, <laughs> and you said to me, "I said, oh wow, you're what? Can you from the radio?" He he looks at me. He says, "You know me," <laughs> and I said. <laughs> Oh, I've heard you so many times. <laughs> I thought he had an amazing voice. And also I enjoyed the stories that um, he reported on and created for the news. And so I just imagined in my head because, you know, he, he, he like that he would be older than me or, you know, I don't know. When I met him, he was very casually dressed, t-shirt, baggy jeans and sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so not in my head what I thought, uh, you know, a reporter was was going to look like. But anyway, he was full of so many surprises. <laughs> but we met through our mutual friends, actually. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, but I think we didn't we didn't start uh, dating or seeing each other right away. We just we met and uh, we started talking. But then um, I can't remember exactly. Uh, what what precipitated this but she called me one time and she invited me to breakfast and so we we go and uh we went to this place called stella's which is a restaurant in winnipeg and um she she had like this self-help program that she was involved with called returning to spirit and she wanted me to participate and i was thinking like wow this sounds like scientology what she's <laughs> telling me about <laughs> But she was really adamant. She's like, no, I think this is, you know, based on what I know of you and your father's experience in residential school, I think this is something that's actually been designed to help people in your situation. It's designed to help people process the intergenerational experience of residential schools and similar things. And, and I think you should do it. So I made her a, a bet, basically. I said, okay, I'll do this program, Returning to Spirit. And if I do it, then you have to come to the Sundance with me uh, this summer. And uh, in my mind, I was thinking win-win because like maybe I'll do the program and it'll change my life for the better. Mm -hmm. And then also I'll get a chance to spend some time with this uh, woman that I'm uh, very much into. So we made the bet and uh, I did the program and then she came to the Sundance and the rest is history. But the funny thing is, she she never expected me to actually honor my side of the arrangement. Oh, exactly, which is <laughs> why real. I agreed. Yeah. yeah, no. So you know, when my grandmother um, passed passed on, I had a dream that I would I was actually sun dancing, and because I knew the rigors of the sun dance, I kept that dream to myself because I knew that if I told our elders about this dream that I had, they would tell me I had to go sun dance, and then. In my head, my science-oriented mind, I thought, oh my goodness, that is so hard. I'm not ready. <laughs> you know? And um, I happened to see a Facebook video that Wob put uh, uh, online about his, his father's experience in residential school and then the intergenerational effects. And then it just spoke to me, you know, the video that he put out. And so I called him. I was like, listen, this program is is so good it helped me grow so much as an individual it enhanced my well-being and it also brought me closer to my mom and all the people i love in a really healthy way it's only five days of your life you should do it and when he said he would do it if i went to the sundance in my head i was like okay sure i'll agree to this maybe you know what if he somehow does this program 
then it then it it's it's my time to Sundance, you know, like I already had a, a little bit of like a, an intention there in my heart to do it, but I truly didn't think that he would actually follow through and complete that program. Like mm -hmm. I really didn't. I was like, you know, you hear people talking a good talk and then, wow. you know, lots of people don't follow it through with actions. Mm. Not this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked because we didn't talk for months, you know, and in, in order to do this program, you would have had to um, enroll you and your dad, take time off work, right. register, commit, follow through. And it's not easy to really make the space to, to, uh, look at yourself, your life, and your relationships with people. Wow. So he calls me, um, like, we hadn't talked for a few months, and I knew the program was already half half done. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know, he's probably not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to my surprise. <laughs> he, yeah. he did the, he, uh, he's a man of his word. Um, and so I thought, wow, oh my goodness, I'm a so impressed. Mm. And also, oh my word, now I have, now I'm going to Sundance. <laughs> <laughs> my heart just started beating faster, you know, <laughs> when I found out that he actually followed through. <laughs> That's amazing. So was that the first date at Stella's and you guys place your bets? Was that the first date? I think you could say so, yeah. 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 Second date was the Sundance. Oh, so pretty okay. intense second day. <laughs> wow. You know what? You know what, though? I really admire this story because I'm since I've started this power couple podcast and listening to people's stories, there's a common thread that seems to take place in the beginning of that first relate um, interaction is that it's not intimacy um, like motivated. It's actually getting to know that person first. And so it really seems like maybe you were half kidding by placing that bet or half kidding by suggesting to go to that program. But that actually was a testament to your relationship to getting to know each other, principles following through with your each other's word. I think that's such a fascinating thing to kind of highlight for new couples who are going to be listening to this podcast, that if you want your relationship to work, maybe don't dive in right away into the intimacy part, get to know that person first, and see how that unravels and it could change the complete outcome of that relationship. So I just wanted to highlight that because it's such an interesting common thread. Yeah, I would say we yeah, became friends that's first. Smart. Right, yeah. right, yeah. amazing. So the two of you got married in a traditional way. Mm -hmm. uh, the interesting thing, actually, my mother's second marriage, uh, she got married by the pipe um, during a sunrise at the Forks. And so mm -hmm. I can reciprocate the significance of that traditional marriage. So. I would say like, how long were you together before you got married? And do you have any memory, like favorite memories of that wedding day? Oh yeah, the wedding day for sure. Yeah. Well, it was about two years later. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, so we met officially in I think 2009, mm -hmm. but we didn't really start dating until 2011. And then we were married at the Sundance in 2014. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But the, 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 the ceremony was awesome because um, you know, it's in the middle of the circle at the Sundance. And so they did a really nice procession of how like they brought Lisa out and I was at the tree and uh, we had a, like a sage and cedar hoop. So it was a big hoop that was wrapped around us and we were standing in the middle of this hoop around our shoulders. 
And then our good friend Junior, um, who used to help run the Sundance that we go to, he uh, he pierced us on our arms that were close to each other. We were standing in the opposite order though. Like I was on that side, she was on this side. So our cuts are actually oh, on yeah. this side. Uh -huh. But um, he pierced us and then he tied a, 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 a ribbon through the piercings so we were connected and then instead of breaking he said you know i don't want you i don't want your skin to break because i don't want there to be any any breaks in the relationship is what he told us and so we we pierced and we shed blood and you know we prayed together that way the way that we like to pray uh, at the sundance with that way of life and it was very sacred very holy and uh it was a really really beautiful hot sunny day and and very memorable and then the funny thing was um, the head chief, like uh, the, the head of the Sundance, he said the blessing to consecrate the, the wedding or to, uh, I guess, just acknowledge it. And then he said it like in Lakota and he um, prayed and this and that. And he's kind of like nodding his head as he finished. And then he looked at me and he said, now rap. And we're like, what? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, rap. He hands me the mic. Are you yeah. like, you want me to rap? You want me to rap right? Yeah, the PA system. He hands me the mic. He's like, yeah, now rap. Yeah. I'm like, you want me to rap right now? He's like, go ahead, son. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what I knew, like, oh my you know, God. as much as I love hip hop, it's not at the level of like, you know, the, the Sundance ceremony. Because I, I, I spit the little, you know, I spit some bars and, and I rapped a little bit. And then his son also rapped, so I handed him the mic, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, son, you rap too." So he got his son to rap, and you know, we did it. We rapped, but it was wow. like, you know, it just it, it stuck out so much compared wow. to the whole rest of the moment, which was so holy. And then we had this one little like hip hop break in the middle of it, <laughs> which was hilarious, but that also we'll never forget too at the same yeah, time. Exactly, I find that uh, incredible. You're reminding me of of. Uh something I've been honing in as of lately, just learning more about our culture is that that idea of mindfulness of intentionally thinking of something I was at an event the other I was at a, a culture camp for Wabano, which is an Aboriginal health center here in Ottawa. And I was uh, called to just fire keep at the time. And as we were passing around the smudge, I was it was amazing because it was for families that that camp experience that, that we were there for. And the mother was there with her daughter. And when the, the smudge came around to her, the mother encouraged the daughter to make sure you think the thoughts when you're, when you're smudging, make sure you think it. And that was like a connecting moment for me where I was like, it's so amazing to understand the depth of when you pray or when you think, or when you are, you know, envisioning something, you are awakening that very thing that you're thinking about. And so when more than one person is owning in on that same thought, the power and the sacredness of that thought is so magnificent. And so I just find it incredible to hear you share those stories of when you were pierced, that the intentions within those thoughts are to not break so that you go into that marriage in that good way. And how the overall ceremony was just full of good feelings, good vibes. And For I sure. feel, I honestly feel like indigenous people understood that idea of people don't necessarily remember what you say, but remember how you made them feel. I yeah. feel like they understood that at such a deeper level. That's why a lot of things were attached to ceremony. So you remember those moments and you remember the sacredness of that journey. So just hearing you share really kind of reminded me of some of those teachings that have been really coming to fruition and clarity as of lately. 
Yeah. Like our wedding ceremony, I think for me was tra a transformative experience, mm -hmm. you know, like it, um, it definitely shifts things it and it strengthens your bond. And um, I think I really believe that it enhanced the love in our relationship. So I encourage people to get married. <laughs> if they find someone that they want. To. Nice. How did you know that they were the one? Like, what was that deciding factor where you knew you wanted to spend the rest of your lives together? You want to go first? No, you should. You go first. <laughs> I already know my answer, but I'm being a gentleman. <laughs> Do you know your answer? <laughs> well, true to my personality, um, <laughs> I don't often jump into things, you know. I take a long time to decide my path. And I work towards it in little steps along the way, you know? And so there were things, there were moments in our relationship along the way before Wab asked me to marry him, um, where I just knew that he was um, really unique and also inspiring and strong. Um, I'm getting emotional thinking about it, but um, I'd say for me, probably the moment I knew he was the one was when he got down on one knee and asked me to marry him. <laughs> you know, like there were all kinds of things that I loved and admired about him uh, before that. But um, I was, I did actually had no idea that he was going to ask me to marry him. Um, and like it caught me by surprise, but in the most beautiful way, we were actually at the Sundance. It was a year before we got married. Wow. Yeah, one year before we got married. And, um, you know, he, he got down on one knee in front of our family and our friends. They were all surrounding us, uh, standing in a circle. And he said to me with the pipe, he gifted me a pipe. And he said, um, uh, Lisa, you're the most uh, beautiful woman I know. And I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And if we're going to do this, we should do it um before the eyes of god and before the eyes of everyone that we love will you marry me <laughs> and um yeah i was just blown away like not only was it in ceremony and meaningful and spiritual but it was also so romantic <laughs> <laughs> it really was <laughs> yeah those are the moments i'll remember forever wow I was going to say the same story, actually. So we were at the Sundance and um, I went to uh, talk to my buddy, uh, Junebug is his nickname. He's actually the same guy whose dad made us rap together at our wedding the following year. So it's my good friend that we've known since childhood. And I, I was talking to him about it. And I said, like, and he, he's married. He's been married at the Sundance in a traditional fashion, too. I said, well, I think I'm going to ask Lisa to marry me. So um, what do you think about that? And what he told me <laughs> is he said, if you're going to get married here with the pipe, with the Sundance, make 10,000% sure. Make sure you're 10,000% sure. Because he, he was explaining to me, he's like, we have a traditional wedding, but we don't have a traditional divorce. Oh, and if you're, wow. making, if you're making an oath in front of the tree, if you're making an oath on the pipe, you can't break that. That's unbreakable. That's that's your word for the rest of your life and everything that you've put into this way of life over the years. That's what you're investing into that wedding ceremony if you want to do it. 
And so I thought about it and um, I just figured like, yeah, no, this is what I want to do. So let's pull the trigger. And so uh, <laughs> <Pull the trigger. laughs> yeah, get her done. <laughs> He's an artist, you know, rapper, man, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Super romantic talk here. It's in my new book of romance, <laughs> what not to say. Like, well, I'm kidding. So anyway, so the I guess that day, which was a day of the Sundance, um, I knew she didn't have a pipe. She needed a pipe. Um, so I got the pipe together and, um, you know, got it, got ready, put, put with tobacco and that. And then, yeah, during one part of the Sundance ceremony, I just went and like I, I told um, like our family, her, her parents and brothers and that. And then um, my mom and dad and uh, all of those folks, or I guess my dad had already passed away, but my side of the family, my uh, kids and that, and we just, I just got them to stand in a circle. And um, I just like walked into the middle of the circle and I got down on, on one knee and said what Lisa said and um, offered her the pipe. And the reason why I wanted to do it like that is just like, you know, the way I want to live my life, the way I want us to live our life together is, you know, I want us always to hold our head high. I want us to always do things right out in the open, do it right in the light where everyone can see it and witness it. And then that way, it's just like returning to what my buddy said, Junebug had said, 10,000% sure. Everyone's going to see that I proposed to her. Everyone's going to know that I have my heart on my sleeve. And then that way, I'll always be accountable if I ever do her wrong or if I don't live up to the oath that I said, if I somehow fail, everyone's going to be able to trace it back to that moment and understand that that isn't what I committed to do. And that isn't what I gave, gave my word for. So that's why I wanted to do it that way. And um, yeah, it was really good. So we, we, we did that on that day. And then we, we spent the next year doing the preparations, like getting the giveaway together was mainly the biggest preparation. And then we came back a year later and we did the, uh, the traditional wedding. Wow. Was there, was there specific qualities that you saw in each other that was like, yes, I can spend the rest of my lives with somebody like that. Or is there like specific identifying factors or is it just based on a genuine growth of the two of you building that relationship together that helps you decide that? Uh, for me, I think it was, um, he already had a lot uh, to offer. Like, um, for example, money, <laughs> not that. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> Except that. <laughs> no, um, so one of the first times um, we went out, like, on a coffee date, actually, there was a bookstore right next to the coffee shop. And I said, oh, do you want to just check out this bookstore? I love books. Um, thinking like, oh, I hope he humors me because I really want to get a few things, you know, for myself and as gifts for other people, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, an hour later, we're still in the bookstore. I kind of lost, I, I got lost in my own thoughts and on my little book journey there. And I had a stack of books at the cash cashier, you know, thinking like, oh, geez, where did Rob go? I, I wondered if maybe he wandered outside. <laughs> like maybe he was waiting in the car or at the coffee shop for me. Here he comes along down the aisle with a stack that's twice as high as mine. <laughs> I was like, hmm, this guy loves books even more than I do. <laughs> I read a lot. Yeah. Um, and then also we have a lot of we have a lot of things in common, you know, in terms of um daily routines, like we both love um 
you know, um, things that keep us healthy and well. So physical fitness, um, sports, uh, eating well. We love listening to interesting people and, you know, similar types of, of movies. And um, yeah, so we just had a, we have a lot in common actually. I, it took me going on a trip with one of my girlfriends a few years ago to realize the person who I have most in common with in this entire world is Bob Kinney. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. If it's most in common though it's because we don't necessarily share the same interests oh but no it's like that's true we can talk to each other and mm -hmm. we can relate and we can converse and that's like a, like what you said growth to me that was the key word of what made it work um like the first time we went to a dog park we took our dogs for a walk this one day uh, early on and i just remember saying some things and then like right away she would say like a really smart thing right back to me and i'd be like that's uh, interesting. I don't know anybody who just says exactly what they think. And it's not just like a knee-jerk reaction. It's like a really well-formulated, challenging thought that's mm. also not coming off as confrontational or aggressive. It's just, it's pushing back in a smart wow. and open way that's forcing me to elevate my thinking and it's forcing me to elevate my game. And that's really kind of what made me know for sure because, you know, I am friends with lots of people. Uh, but Lisa is my best friend. And the reason why she's my best friend is because she consistently challenges me to be the best version of myself. And I think if you're going to spend your life with somebody, you want someone who is going to continuously force you to elevate your game. Because over the course of a life, we don't want to just stay the same. We always want to get better. Continuous evolution, continuous improvement. We always want to become the best version of ourselves. And so if you're choosing a partner or choosing a mate, in my mind, the person you want to choose is somebody who, one, you're going to be able to put up with for that long, but two, is also going to continuously be able to match you. And then if you hit this level, they're going to keep up and they're going to hit that level. And then, but they're going to do it in a nice way, in a kind way. And it's not like they're leaving you behind. It's like they're giving you a hand up and continuously you can go through life just um, improving each other. And so if we could relate this to what I maybe understand is the purpose of your podcast. If I was to talk to a person out there about what they would want in a relationship, that is what I would encourage you to have. You know, I was at the gym one time and I was listening to one of my, he's a buddy, you know, we get along really well. And he was talking about his girlfriend. He's like, I really like her because she cooks for me and she cleans for me and she does this for me and she does that for me. And I just felt like, knowing my relationship with Lisa, I just, I almost felt bad for him. You know what I mean? I was like, it's not about what the person can do for you mm. on a day-to-day -day level. It's not about like a task or a benefit that that person can provide for you. It should be, can you see not just the, the beauty in them, but can you see yourself evolving and in time growing into something uh, better than you are right now? And, um, to me, like that, that's what I want young people in our community and in every community to aim for with a healthy relationship is to find somebody who is going to not just call them out on what they're doing wrong in a negative way, but to do it with love and kindness so that they themselves can, can blossom and flourish and uh, improve because that's what I think everyone deserves. Everyone deserves to be able to reach their full potential. But then when we also look at the social situation in our communities, I think we could all benefit from having uh, people being able to 
feel really solid at home and know that their their home front, their home fire is always going to be there to have their back and to help them get through life and to maybe just, you know, get a little bit better each each time out, each day. Honestly, Wab, I, I totally appreciate you sharing that and emphasizing, you know, the intentions of the podcast. And Lisa, I appreciate what you also shared because this is literally the inspiration behind this podcast is that for me, my parents split when I was about 16, 17. So that put me on a journey where, you know, I put myself in harm's way intentionally just because of how upset I was and trying to find myself again. But as I mature and I become the man I am today, you know, I want to make sure that that person I do spend the rest of my life with, that I create a relationship and it's a healthy relationship. And so on that journey, I really wanted to hear from other couples, what does a healthy relationship look like? And I feel there's a gap there in communities sometimes is like you don't have easy access to where can I learn about this when it comes to a healthy relationship. So I really appreciate you both sharing those things. And um, it it means a lot that you both are here contributing to this podcast. It it means a lot. So thank you both for sharing that. And if I could just jump off on that, um, just because this comes to mind, like Mm -hmm. it, it was no accident that I gave a pipe to her in terms of the symbolic gesture. I did give her a ring eventually, but that was later on. But when I actually asked her to marry me, I gave her a pipe. And the reason why it relates to what you were just saying there is, you know, the pipe we're taught, it's two distinct elements. It's the bowl and it's the stem. One is feminine and one is masculine. And, you know, at the beginning, they're two separate entities. So you have the, the, the pipe bowl and you have the pipe stem which stand on their own as an individual thing. But when you put them together, they form something new. And it's something that was more powerful than what was there before. And so that's why when we pray with the pipe, it's our connection to the spirit world because it's this really powerful unity of two dual, a duality being brought into one, right? A unity formed out of a duality. And to me, that's why I wanted to give the pipe because it symbolizes what I want our relationship to be, our wedding to be, which is like we enter into the wedding ceremony, the marriage ceremony as two individuals, right? But when we come through the wedding ceremony, we're combining into one thing and it's more powerful than what was there before. And I can, I can legitimately say that for sure, the person that I am today, you know, <clears throat> several years into this relationship, is, is, is much improved, is way more, you know, strong and in control and mindful of where I want to head in my life. And, uh, and hopefully Lisa could oh, say in some ways too, that I, <laughs> maybe she I echo that hundred percent. Yes. Yes. For sure. Awesome. And so obviously it's not always smooth coasting. I mean, there's highs and lows and ups and downs. So what has like how do you manage disagreements is the question um we don't often have a lot of disagreements you know what i mean we have differences of opinion (laughs) so so we we just argue (laughs) (laughs) we yell really loud (laughs) no (laughs) no actually um yeah so i think it's uh it all boils down to communication and also accepting each other, you know, for where we at, and what we're doing, that type of thing. 
um, being very patient. That means I let her win the argument. That's how we have resolved it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> we can agree to disagree. <laughs> right. right. Mm -hmm. But I think it goes back to, like for me anyways, it goes back to the vow that's at the center mm -hmm. of a wedding and the, the oath, right? And um, I guess there's uh, also a personal decision, which is like, um, like I said, Lisa's my best friend. So it's also just a personal question I ask myself, which is like, why would I want to hurt my best friend's feelings? Mm -hmm. And uh, whatever the issue is, if I either think one about the vow that we made, which is that like 10,000% sure in front of the tree, in front of God, in front of our families, that this is the person I'm going to stay with, then one that tells me that we got to work it out. And then two, if I ever find myself getting agitated or emotional or negative, then I could just remind myself, well, why would I want to hurt my best friend's feelings? And then that's usually a good way to calm down. But to bring it back to that pro that program I was talking about too, it does teach you some good techniques in there too. Um, and I think one that's really good in relationships is to try and communicate without blame. So I think if, if you are having a, a, a struggle, if instead of saying, well, you always do this, instead of saying it like that, because then you're putting it on them and you're blaming them, if you could instead say something like, I'm feeling like this, and then you're just reflecting on your own situation rather than putting it on them. Because when you put it on them, it makes them defensive. But if you're just reflecting yourself, then hopefully the person has room to kind of respond in a, in a healthier way. So Amazing. just little techniques i guess you learn to yeah. try and make a relationship work i think that's a big one is to instead of blame or or you know project it self-reflect on your own because sometimes you might be saying something and it means something to you but that same thing that you said might mean something different to the other person so yeah. being able to say this is how i feel can easily help with that communication and find clarity i think that's mm -hmm. incredible and of course, in these days of social media, smartphones, I can confidently say Wab Canoe uses a lot of social media, but I personally <laughs> find it revolutionary because we live in a time where technology has allowed us the propensity to amplify our voices and to share a message more broadly. So living um, your both of your lives, you know, serving the public, how have you been able to maintain and build trust? Well, I think that when we got into the relationship, we decided that we were going to work True. from a foundation of trust, True. you know, um, and I think that it depends on what you mean by trust. You mean trust in ourselves, trust in each other, trust mm. in the world, you know, um, like, you know, some of our, our, our teachings um, help with that as well. You know, if you're always approaching, you know, each other from a place of humility and honesty, and um integrity then then it, it it's easy you know um also just like um getting to know each other i think is really helpful like the more you understand one another the easier it is to um to see things from their point of view um or see things in a different way from from your own perspective um what do you think i think it's important to limit screen time i think um Social media can be very powerful. You can educate, like I think young people today, because of all the different platforms, Instagram and TikTok and everything, I think young people today are way more aware of the reality of people outside their immediate circle than even my generation was. 
you know what I mean? Like movements like Standing Rock and, um, you know, the allyship for the Wet'suwet'en people and uh, the Mi'kma'ki lobster fishers. Like I think uh, a teenager today can become much more aware of that than they were 20, 30 years ago, which I think is really powerful. But I think it's also, a, there's a tipping point after which social media can become harmful or if it's not outright harmful, it just makes you feel kind of anxious or a little dissatisfied with what's going on uh, in your own life. And so, I, you know, I think um, you, you have to find uh, the right amount, you know, you, you could use it up to maybe a couple hours a day, but then after that, it's probably time to go get some exercise or, or maybe do some reading or do something else. So I think um, it's just like everything, right? Like you got to find the right amount. You got to find the balance and um, yeah. Think uh, it can be positive. We obviously use social media a ton, and so do our kids. But um, we're trying to be healthy about it, exactly, and not have it be a negative. Exactly. And so it sounds like just from what you both shared, uh, trust was actually pre-developed going into the relationship. Is you already had some version of trust within yourself, and you went into the relationship on a foundation of trust. And so you just really held true to what, what trust is and made sure you navigate it in a good way. I think it's also important to have um, some stuff of your own going on. Yeah, I was just going to say sure. that yeah. same thing. Yeah, good it's good yeah. to have your own life in yeah. addition to your life together as a couple. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, like one what I so I used to live and work in Dauphin when we first started dating. So we did the long distance thing for for a long time. And then when I moved to Winnipeg, you know, I had to refine my place again in the world. And that was really tough because Wab was already very established in his career, you know, when it would have been very easy for, for his life to just like swallow up mine, you know, if I didn't like get my own stuff together and start doing my own thing, you know? Um, so it's important to be, be strong as an individual um, in order to feel like you have um a good balance in the relationship itself so so yeah working is is um something that gives me a lot of strength and meaning as an individual as a physician and um also um you know it it leaves me in a place where i feel like i you know have something unique to offer you know what i mean the the relationship the household the family and uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you about that. Nice. Yeah, because if you have your own thing going on, then you're, you're going to have a certain amount of confidence that comes mm -hmm. with that. And you're not going to be insecure and worried about the other person or distrustful of the other person. Plus, like, you need to, whether it's just going to work or whether it's going to the gym and talking to your, your gym friends or whatever it is, um, my friends have been playing video poker during the lockdown. So whether it's even just playing video poker sometimes, <laughs> I think that um, you, you also just need something to talk about, right? Like you can't just go do the, the same thing together all the time and be like, hey, remember that thing we just did together? <laughs> you also need to go and do some individual activities. So when you sit down at dinner or, you know, you're going for a car ride that you can be like, hey, you know what happened to me today? Right. And so it just, uh, it broadens things out a little bit too from a conversational perspective. <laughs> Perfect. And so from the perspective of your traditional teachings, which ones are the most important to you and how do you integrate them into the relationship? Well, I think they're all important. Um, 
but specifically when it comes to like marriage, I, you know, the teaching of love, um, you can't really be fully and truthfully loving without, you know, equal parts, courage and humility, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I, um, I think it's hard to pinpoint exactly one thing, but uh, I would say courage and humility are, are two really important ones for me anyway, you know, because it's not easy to, to, to be um, vulnerable, exposed, intimate, you know, um, it's not easy to allow yourself to be seen with all your flaws and your strengths, of course, but, you know, it's those insecurities that sometimes can, um, can cloud our judgment. So it, it's good to be, to stay humble, but also you got to be courageous because if you don't move forward, then it's not going to um, uh, reach its full potential relationship wise. So. Yeah, I think there's a lot of teachings um, to live your life by, but um, I think one of the ones that we're taught is um, to just have like a certain amount of patience, um, like at the Sundance, right? Like, you know, you're not, you're not going to drink water today. Right. Can make a lot of people anxious. Uh, but so anxious. You just, after doing it for a certain amount of years, you just realize like, yep, that's how it's going to be. And then right. it, going to be really hot yep that's how it's going to be and it's going to hurt okay yep it's going to be like that and um mm -hmm. reason why i think that's important is because there, there's a saying that i heard there and i'm sure we've all heard variations of this in different indigenous communities but there's this idea of put the women first put the children first put the elders first put the men first put the warriors first put yourself last and so i think like that's that's the goal of how we want to live we want to put the, the well-being of other people, including our loved ones, before our own. But the way that we actually pull that off on a day-to-day -day level is by having a certain amount of patience, mm -hmm. a certain amount of, um, you know, just, just being able to ride it out if it gets a little hectic or if there's some static that comes along the way. You just have to be able to kind of tough it out a bit. Perfect. It's a perfect transition into kind of how we're going to close this podcast here. You know, in an interview, Wab, you said, and I mostly paraphrase here, but at the time of death, it is a sacred time. And when someone is approaching the end of their life, it is not just about honoring them. There is also something very meaningful for the people who accompany the person on that journey. And in the end, the only, things that, only thing that matters is love, the love they had for us and the love we still have for them. So my question from that is, what does love mean to you? For me, love is, um, is the way we're meant to, to live and be close to creator. And um, it manifests in, in many different ways, but it's the way we can, can live our, our best and fullest life is um, with foundation of love. And um, yeah, it, it's something that certainly um, has been shown to me time and time again, you know, in many different ways in ceremony, but also, you know, through the love that I feel for my parents and the grandparents and, and the ancestors that passed on before. Um, but I also feel it when, um, when, when we spend time with each other and our children, 
and um, it's uh, in indescribable and also very fulfilling. Yeah, I think love is um, it's definitely a feeling that we have, and I think love is like um, it's the feeling that gives you a sign of what the creator wants you to do, or it's mm -hmm. the feeling that gives you a sign of what the universe wants you to do. You know what I mean? Because if you listen to your heart when you feel it swell to the other person and you do right by them, then that's that's what a good life is. That's what the universe wants you to do. That's what the creator wants you to do. When you feel the love towards your child and it makes you do something good for your child or it makes you protect them, then that's what a good life is about. That's what the universe wanted you to do. And when you feel the love for your people or you feel the love for your community, for your hometown, for your country, you know, your whatever that thing is bigger than you that you believe in and that feeling in your heart makes you do something good something positive then that's that's what i mean by that's a sign of what the creator or the universe or or, or the good life is asking you to do so i don't i don't know what 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 actually is inside that feeling but that's how i understand it that if we listen to the the, the feeling that we have when we're in love or when we love someone then those are the clues of how to live a good life Honestly, that was probably the best definition I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> For real, like listening to your heart and as that's the sign of what the creator wants us to do when we do something good for others. Yeah. And we just have to be clear that there's no like, that the filter is clear. There's right. no like alcoholism or right. drug or money or jealousy that's in the way of that. Because if there's something that's preventing that filter from being clear, then that's when our, what we think we're doing for love, it actually gets misdirected into something negative. But that's why for our whole life, we wanna like clear our mind, clear our spirit, you know, clear our intention. So that when we do get the signal, we can just carry it out in a very straight up and, and good way. I love that that honestly resonated with me like on a deep right. level like i'm processing that one a lot right now amazing um so just a few more questions to close up here like what does a power couple mean to you <laughs> we just live our, our we just try our best and you know get through each day with uh, some level of purpose and intention and goodness in our hearts and and um you know i think that we 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 keep working at it mm. and i think that that is a uh, a source of our strength and so you know to keep trying to keep working not giving up and then also um being present mm. is really important um yeah, it's just a, it's just a label, the power couple thing. I can't, label. I can't get I can't get past it. <laughs> hey, let me try this. Let me try this. A power couple is a healthy couple. Mm -hmm. So what is a healthy couple? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think um, a healthy couple is 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 two people that make each other happy, and. Uh, really um you know challenge each other but also embrace each other you know accept one another as they are and um and show a lot of love and kindness and compassion um you know they say that um when you're in a good relationship you know it eases the the, the heartache and pain 
and it like amplifies what the goodness when the good times do happen and so so yeah I would agree with that uh, wholeheartedly you know it's a beautiful thing to be married uh, to Wab and um, be uh, one half of this partnership I think um, it's taught me a lot about myself and also about you know the sanctity of marriage um, how sacred that is and how um, how uh, whatever is in in our household in and between us and our relationship you know manifests out in the world somehow and so it's important that um, if we're going to do good things out there we have to uh, start with good things in here you know yeah, I think somebody, I think a, a healthy couple's, um, you know, somebody that you feel good to be with and they make you feel good and it's it's healthy and it's positive. I think positivity is the main thing. Um, there's no reason to to be in a relationship where you feel lonely. There's no reason to be in a relationship where the other person makes you feel bad about yourself. And also, like, even if the person makes you feel good, but there's like that little voice inside your head that's that's telling you, you know what, this person's bigging me up, but I know that I'm not doing right even that's uh that's a warning sign so i think a good relationship is one where you know you're doing your best and you're doing positive and then the other person makes you feel good about that too so just about positivity lots of laughter and yeah it's good to have, good to be able to crack some jokes <laughs> <laughs> so what are your plans for the future both individually and as a couple um well we're a little bit in uh, take it one day at a time mode right now, right. given the, the COVID-19 pandemic. So it's hard to anticipate what the future is going to look like. Um, personally, um, you know, uh, our toddler and, and uh, our older boys keep us very busy. And so they are really the focus of our, our lives um, at the moment. Um, so yeah, just helping nurture them, help them get through all the next phases of their, their education and um, all the other interests that they've got on the go. And then, um, you know, work-wise, you know, I spend a, a good a chunk of time in Brokenhead First Nation right now. I'd like to spend more time doing addictions medicine um, and then maybe some hospital care um, in that way and potentially even pursue, you know, a degree in public health. Um, and then, you know, as a couple, um, we're, we're, we're really homebodies right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> Nothing else to do, you yeah. can't travel anywhere. <laughs> you can't travel anywhere. We can't used to, out. yeah, yeah, we, you know, we love dancing, we love socializing, we love traveling, you know, like all these things. We still do a good deal of dancing and singing at home, nice. but, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit different from being at a powwow or, you know, at a, at a social event of some sort, but, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to see us at the first big party after the lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be able to get us off the mic. Yeah, yeah. We'll be the annoying people. And yeah. One more song, by the Why way. <laughs> no, I think that sounds about right. Like, I would like our kids to be able to reach their full potential. Like, I'd like them to get educated and then to start their own businesses or pursue their own career Amazing. while still maintaining a close relationship uh, with us as a family. Not that, you know... We, I'm going to be driving my sons to, you know, university uh, every day or anything like that. But I still would like 
to have a friendship with them and to still, you know, hang out with them while they're getting started in life. And then we could hopefully uh, impart the knowledge that we've picked up around. Here's how you can build your career. Here's how you can build wealth. Here's how you can give back to the community. Here's how you can learn to navigate challenging situations and professional relationships and some of the ups and downs that come with that. So, yeah, I think it's really, it's really cool. Uh, the, the point that we're at, cause we're kind of like, we're right in between, right? Like we're still living our life, but then like our, our kids are getting to be the age where they're starting to live their life too. Amazing. Okay. So now Wob rap. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, just to, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Like Again. <laughs> yeah. no, I appreciate you both. Honestly, I appreciate, um, you know, your time, your commitment here. And uh, I just, I'm very enlightened by this conversation. I'm full of gratitude for the both of you to contribute to this overall conversation about relationships. Uh, so, you know, a big thank you, a big wash day, a big miigwech to the two of you for being here. Uh, my heart is full and, and I'm full of gratitude. So thank you both. Oh, thank you so much for having us. It's our pleasure. Yeah, no, this is good. And uh, you're, you're smart, so you have a real gift there. So make sure you make the most of that. Thank you, Wab. That means a lot. I appreciate it. And, and I really hope that maybe we'll cross paths at some point. Sounds good, man. Take care. All right. Wash day. Take care. <laughs>